0: Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you want to speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church finally there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of jesus christ so if this service and our other resources bless you would you consider giving back to atmosphere church To support not just these things but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith to make a financial donation simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated remember when you give to atmosphere church you're actually giving through atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. Those of you that are new, the reason we play fun videos like that is we like to have fun in church, first of all. Uh, But second of all, we're in this series called Grown Ups where we're looking at the book of James. And some of you maybe are not familiar with this book of James, and it's just this short book of our Bibles that really emphasizes becoming spiritually mature. One of the funniest stories I have of my kids growing up is uh, we were driving somewhere. My girls were super little. I think Kylie was three and, and uh, Mackenzie was maybe a year and a half old, maybe a little bit older than that. So we're driving somewhere and Kenzie starts screaming in the back of the car. And as a parent, you know, that's like, what, what's going on? And, and so we look back and Kenzie has teeth marks on her arm. And what you don't know about Kylie is she was a little ornery when she was little. And so I immediately just knew that Kylie bit Mackenzie on the arm for whatever reason. I don't know. And so Mackenzie's crying, Kenzie, Kylie bit me. And we're looking back at Kylie going, Kylie, you bit your sister. No, I did it. I promise I did it. I promise I did. I'm like, well, wait till we get home. And like, I'm mad. And I'm driving the rest of the way home going, oh man, you know, I need to discipline her. I can't believe she bit her sister. And Kylie, the whole way home is going, I promise, I promise I didn't do it, dad. And so we get home and Kenzie starts feeling, I think a little bit badly, And as we're getting out of the car, Kenzie starts smiling. And I said, Kenzie, why are you smiling? She said, I bit my own arm. (laughs) I go, what? You bit your own arm? She goes, yeah, I just wanted to get Kylie in trouble. I go, now, Kenzie, I was just about ready to discipline your sister for something she didn't do, and now I need to discipline you. So we just, I I think of that situation with my girls and just know that if you're in a relationship with anybody, inevitably, you're going to get poked in the heart or or bit on the arm to some degree where you're going to have relational difficulty. And what James is going to talk to us this morning about is that how we treat each other really will dictate exactly if we are becoming the spiritually mature people that God wants us to be. So let me pray this. We're going to get a James chapter 2. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, for giving us this book of James because, Lord, we need to be pushed. God, there's a new level that you want to release onto our lives spiritually speaking. And I pray, God, that you would use today's message to help us grow, help us develop, help us progress in this faith that we have in you. And we thank you in advance for how you're going to do that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. James chapter 2, it says this, it says, if you guys have that, it says, My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, he says, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? So there's two thoughts that James gives us in this letter. And this is the first thought is, is that is when we treat people, we need to make sure we're not treating them with favoritism. In other words, giving preference for one group over another group. And this happens with every kind of culture there is, including church culture. I don't know if this is your first church experience or maybe perhaps you've been in another church church atmosphere before where you've come in and and you felt like maybe the church was paying attention to other people and they never really paid attention to you. This is a a real issue that we deal with even today. And James is saying, hey, we've got to address this because if we're going to like have favoritism, we are going to stop spiritual development. And for us being who God has called us to be as men and women of God. Remember, and this goes through the whole series, is that God is growing you up in your faith so that you can move to a new glory for your life. There are things that God wants to accomplish through you and your life that right now maybe you're not able to do, but God wants to push you forward so that you will eventually be able to do the very things he's called you and created you to do. You are a work in progress. Touch your neighbor say, you're a work in progress. It's important for you to understand that he loves you the way you are, but he refuses to leave you in that state. And so some of you, you are stuck in your development as a follower of Jesus because maybe of your lack of an ability to know how to treat people properly. James is saying, hey, we need to address this. We need to talk about this favoritism that is alive and well, even within our church family. That if somebody comes with a lot of money, he says, I've noticed that you guys are paying attention to that guy over the guy that comes in with no money. He says, we need to develop a culture that no matter what kind of financial status you have, you're going to be loved equally when you walk in the doors of the church. See, as we set up this new church, One of the things, that, and I know you guys don't know me really well, but one of the things that I am passionate about is helping people that are in poverty. I'm passionate about it. It runs deep in my DNA. And one of the things that we developed in Vegas at the church that I was leading in Vegas was that I don't care who you were, I don't care what you looked like or how you came dressed, you were going to be loved when you came into our church. And there was a, a, a man that frequented our church, and we didn't call him this, but he called himself this, Homeless Mark. Homeless Mark would come to our church, and he looked homeless, and he smelled homeless. And But you know what? He would come into the church, and he would get loved on, and, and we would pay attention to him. We had a, a nice seat for him in the front of the church if he could behave himself some days, we're better than other days. But Homeless Mark loved our people. He would hang out for hours. We'd give him coffee and donuts. He'd come to the food pantry on Saturday. We developed a great friendship with Homeless Mark. But here's the point, is if somebody homeless comes in to Atmosphere Church, that we're still getting our understanding of what the Conejo Valley is all about. And this is more of a, an affluent area. But how would you react if somebody came into the doors of our new church and they looked homeless, they smelled homeless? What, how would you respond to them? Because if you are going to belong to our church, you need to understand that those guys are VIPs to us. We love them. And Christ died for them just as much as he died for the guy that has a lot of money. And so we want to build that into who we are as a church. Romans 15, verse 7 is is a a scripture that we all need to understand. Therefore, accept each other in the same way that Christ accepted you. He did this to bring glory to God. In other words, when it came to Christ accepting you, there was no favoritism there. He accepted you for who you were. Regardless of the background that you had, regardless of the upbringing that you went through as a child, he accepted you. And so what we are to do is to accept other people in the same way that Christ has accepted us, unconditionally. Now let me just say this because it needs to be said. There's a difference of acceptance and approval. In other words, maybe there's some lifestyle choices that somebody's making. Just because you don't necessarily approve of some lifestyle choices somebody's making doesn't mean you don't accept them. You accept everybody unconditionally, no matter what it is that they're doing, no matter what it is uh, that they, where they've been or, or who they have been friends with, whatever, regardless. Nevertheless, you would accept people in the same way that Christ accepted you. Now, as we talk about this, um, it's important for you guys to know that the church is supposed to be the most inclusive group that you're ever going to meet, that you're ever going to be a part of. And and I think for the most part in our country, we've lost that. And church has become like this exclusive place. As much as we're a training center, I want you guys to know we're also a trauma center. That there are going to be people coming in here bleeding from wounds that they've received from all kinds of various life experiences that they've went through. And so when they come in here bleeding, the last thing we want to do is say, hey, you know what, we're a clean, sanitary environment, no bleeding allowed. No, we want to welcome everybody that comes into these doors regardless of how wounded or clean they are and know that you are loved when you come to Atmosphere Church. We are an inclusive church, not an exclusive church. There are no mean girls here. There's no there's no bullying or shaming here that regardless of who you are, regardless of what you've done, you are welcome here because we accept you in the same way that Christ has accepted us. So James says, we have a problem that we need to address. Question, if Tom Cruise came into our church today, would you show him more attention than if homeless Mark decided to take a bus and visit Atmosphere Church today? Would you spend as much time trying to get to know homeless Mark as you would Tom Cruise? This is a little, we got to check ourselves here. Because as much as we want to say, yeah, yeah preach it, James, there's, there's a part of us that says, I'm, I'm a little guilty of that. That I, I, I want to be in a, in a more, you know, less favorable thing where I, I'm not giving favoritism out regardless of who they are or, or what kind of story or, or fame that they have. The second part is this. It's found in James chapter 4. I says, do not speak against one another, brethren? He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? And, and he goes on in this whole dialogue in chapter four where he talks about being arrogant. And he says, you need to humble yourself. And then he adds this. To the conversation. And what's happening is that there's a critical spirit that is developing within the church. He says, we got to check ourselves because there are people talking about each other, and, and you're really coming against the, the rule that God has established on top of all other rules, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself, saying you're, you're breaking this by being critical of one another. And criticism, along with favoritism, is something that is going to keep you from growing and developing into the person that God wants you to be. If you have a critical spirit, it is going to stifle your spiritual growth. What is a critical spirit? Somebody that is always nitpicking what somebody else is doing. Somebody else is is kind of, you know, maybe even having conversations about somebody when they're not looking or when they're not listening It's speaking evil of one another. It's another word in the Bible that is used for this is slander. We might even put gossip in this category here. And that nothing will poke you in the heart harder than you finding out somebody else has been talking about you without you being in the room. It hurts. When somebody else has been critical of something that you've done and thinks they have you all figured out when really they don't even know you. See, we might be able to see somebody's action, but we're not able to see their heart. And what James is saying is be careful because when you start making assumptions about the, the actions of somebody without really knowing the motive of why they did that, you're in, you're in dangerous ground of becoming the judge when you're, you make a terrible judge. I make a terrible judge. There's only one judge and his name is God and he's perfect at it. We're not. So James is saying we need to check ourselves with this idea of criticism. And and I have learned this the hard way where somebody comes into the church and they start talking to me uh, about uh, things that uh, uh, they uh, heard from somebody else doing and it was wrong and they're throwing up on me and i've listened to it and they've convinced me like oh i need to go and talk to that person and i go and talk to that person and they're like that's not it at all i didn't happen that way at all like where did you hear this from and i'm like well I, I kind of told the person i wouldn't say uh where i heard it from and, and then it becomes this big drama session and i learned like hey if if somebody is going to be so bold to tell me about what somebody else has done you know what I need to tell them, you're telling the wrong, you need to go tell that person. And then then if they don't get it right, then come back and tell me, and we'll go together. But none of this he said, she said, because what I've found is that there are always two sides to a story. And when you download one side of the story, let me tell you something, you are obligating yourself to download the other side. So if you don't want the extra drama in your life, if you're like me, you're like, I'm too busy for that. Then shut the person down that's trying to download their side of the story and say, Hey, just, I want to stop you and save all of us some time here. Let's bring that other person in here. You have a problem with, let's all talk about this together. Right. And, and like in the room, not a group text. Right. That's, that's a different sermon. But first Peter chapter four, verse eight. It says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. There's something to be said for just loving somebody that maybe they did something that Jesus didn't like. You know what? Just love them. There's nobody that's going to be perfect in your life. They're going to stumble. But if you're there to kick them while they're down, it's not going to be healthy for them or you in the long run. But love them. Help them. Don't just hurt them and, and, and make a, a situation even worse by being critical of them in their failure and whatever that failure was against your life. And I love how James brings all of this relational talk together in James chapter 2, verse 8. He says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. If you want to know how to treat somebody, James is circling the Levitical law that we talked about, uh, the the first thing that, that Jewish children learn, the great Shema, which is love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, if you do this, if you are obedient to do this, then he said, you're doing right. You're moving your life in the right direction. So how do you love your neighbor as yourself? Well, Jesus was confronted with this in his own ministry. In Luke chapter 10, he gives this parable about this good Samaritan. And so a lawyer stood up and put him to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? He says, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy toward him. And then Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. This man, this lawyer, whoever he was in this conversation with Jesus, was checked by Jesus. Because what Jesus did is he used the Samaritan as the hero in the story. The Samaritans were not looked upon favorably by the Jews. So it's ironic that Jesus made the Samaritan the hero of the story. He's saying the person that was neighborly, the person that actually reached out to help The guy that was in trouble, he was the one that actually was more obedient to the law than the priest, than than the the temple preparer guy, the Levite. He says, this this is our wake-up call. He says, the person that takes care of the need is the one who is loving his neighbor. doesn't matter what kind of prestige you have or title that you wear. It's the person that actually does something that is loving their neighbor, It's not about some banner that you make or something that you tweet. It's about what you do. That's what Jesus is saying. You want to know how to treat people? James is saying, obey the royal law, the law that stands on all of the other laws. And in the Jewish traditions, there are over 600 laws and commands that you are to be obedient to. And Jesus said, I'm going to summarize everything in one James says it too. Paul says it too. If you want to do right, if you want to learn how to treat people, then love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how do we do this? Paul says it this way in Romans 13. He says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command that there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. You know, when we were doing uh, inter- intercessory prayer meeting about four months ago, we were praying and asking God to give us a clarity Of a word for us as a church as we were moving forward as a new community. And what we heard loudly and clearly was that we were to be a community that knew how to love people well. That God wants us to be known in this whole entire community as a church that loves people well. And if you think about what Paul's saying, if we can just love people well, we have fulfilled everything that we are supposed to do with our lives for his kingdom. Matter of fact, Jesus said it this way in John chapter 13. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. In other words, people will know that you are a follower of Christ, not by how many Bible verses you have memorized, not by how many stickers you have on your car, not by by how many T-shirts that you wear, but by how well you love other people. They'll know you're connected to Jesus. So the question, church, we have to reconcile this morning is how are we doing on this? How are we loving people? And let me tell you, people sometimes don't make it real easy on us. <laughs> sometimes people are hard to love. But I, I, I have some, some uh, PowerPoints I want to give you this morning that might help you learn how to love people better that come into your life. Because here's the thing, this isn't just reserved for the church. Even though, let me just tell you, that we ought to be like so loving to each other that people hear about us. Like we develop a reputation in our community for how we take care of each other. This is the early church. This is kind of the early church was known for how they took care of each other, how, how they were just there for one another. Uh, there's some early letters that were written in the first and second century, and one of them said, of course, Jesus resurrected from the dead, For how else do you explain how these guys love each other and take care of each other when they need something? I mean, that is a given in how we need to take care of each other. But if you want to learn how to just love people even beyond the church well, then you might want to write these little PowerPoints down. Number one is pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention to your surroundings. There are hurting folks everywhere in this community, everywhere you go. Some of you know people in your family that are hurting. You don't even have to leave your own front door. And there are people in your house that are hurting. There are people that you work with that are hurting. There are people that you live next to that are hurting. There are people that you shop at Target with that are hurting. And here is where we can really like, hone in on loving people well is just pay attention to the people that are coming in close proximity to you. Because everybody that comes in close proximity to you is somebody that God wants you to love for him. He wants you to love them. I don't believe in coincidences when I run into people and I run or past people that I really believe that God has supernaturally placed me in that moment for that person for that very time. And, and I want to pay attention because sometimes we can get so bogged down in our own stuff that we don't even see people that are right in front of us. You ever been there? You ever been so focused on maybe your own problems or your own issues or your own relational problems where somebody is right there crying in front of you, you don't even notice them? I don't tend to be an observant person by nature. My wife and my daughter, I mean, they can spot something a mile away and I'm like, I don't even see that. Uh, So some of us are a little bit more natural at observing our environments than others. But I watched this video and it's actually put out by Chick-fil-A. Don't ask me why other than they just wanted to, to really get people while they're eating their chicken sandwiches to pay attention to each other. Uh, but just check out this video and just see if, see if this just can bear witness with you. I just love that video because every life does have a story. But are we taking the time to pay attention and to read people's stories. Some of you have stories in this room. You don't even have to leave this building in order to start loving somebody well. Just by listening, there's some people that have just been through a tough week, and this is a a space where they can come, and they can get prayed for, and they can be just listened to. That will help tremendously. But I think about the Good Samaritan. There's a guy laying in the ditch. you saw him. There are people laying in ditches all around our lives. But the first step is paying attention and seeing them laying in the ditch. The second thing that we need to write down is to be available. So it's one thing to pay attention. The second thing is to be available. Because what good is it to see somebody laying in a ditch if you're saying, I just don't have time to be able to go and take care of that need. I'm going to pray somebody else comes into that person's life and helps them with their need because I'm too busy to slow down to help this person out that needs help. There has to be availability that we give to the situation if we're going to love our neighbor the way that God wants us to love our neighbor well. What does that look like for us, practically speaking, to be available? Well, to me, and, and how busy I like to keep my schedule, it's living with margins. Living intentionally that I'm not letting it go to the very last minute before I have to go somewhere, that maybe if I leave 15 minutes before I'm supposed to leave in case there's an interruption on my way to wherever I'm going. Because let me tell you, Jesus had miracles happen in his life while he was on his way to do something. In other words, the miracles that Jesus experienced with his life happened as interruptions while he was going somewhere. And if we want to see more miracles in our life, then we have to be available for those miracles to move through us so that other people are receiving their breakthroughs, so they're receiving the healing power of God. But if you're so busy, you might see somebody that's hurting and you just don't have the time to be able to take care of them. Be available. We got to be available for each other. You know, one of the the cool things about a new church community is that we're not super big, so that we can actually take time to get to know each other. That two-minute mingle, that's intentional, even though you introverts hate that. There's all kinds of memes out there about, you know, the the time in church where everyone greets each other. It's like, man, that is not my space. I'm going out and getting coffee, And I understand that. Not everyone's an extrovert, and and I get that. But here's what I, I want you to understand, is that when you make yourself available, even though it's uncomfortable for you, that you're not only maybe helping somebody else out, you're giving somebody the ability to help you out. Because there are things in your life that somebody here can help you with if you make yourself available for them to be able to come into your life. I, I had another friend of mine that goes to a different church. He said, we do these dinner nights where we just have people come over to each other's house that are at church and, uh, we just, you know, randomly just make appointments after church is over. We just start making date nights with with church people. And so people would take turns inviting people over to their house to have dinner. Like back in olden times, like supper, like with church family members, that was just part of your church culture. And we really have lost that in our new modern culture, we don't really have meals together like they used to have meals together back in biblical times. When, when we talk about atmosphere church, I want us to be known not just for, for loving people and shaking hands. I, w- I want people to go like, hey man, when you go to that church, somebody's going to invite you over their house for a meal. That's, that's how atmosphere church rolls. Just be prepared. There's going to be some lady and her husband that are going to just say, hey, what are you doing tomorrow night? Come over to my house for some chicken. We we want that kind of a culture here to where when you guys are connecting and doing your mingle, that you guys are saying, hey, why don't you come over to my house? That, That maybe we should do these things called supper Sundays. I just had this idea. Supper Sundays. Where... We're at church every Sunday. You make it your mission. You, if you're by yourself, you came with a family, you're just like, let's just go find somebody that just maybe looks different than us. And, and let's, you know, let's invite them over our house or let's, you know, go, um, have a meal together somewhere and, and just get to know each other. Because what you might find in making yourself more available is that God wants to use you to help somebody else in this church and God wants to use somebody else in this church to help you. That we're called to be together and that we really believe that we're better together. But the only way you're going to know that is you make yourself available. Here's the third thing, is you take action. It's one thing to see somebody in the ditch of on the side of the road and see them and then even be available, say, hey, I have time to help them. But if you never engage, if you never take action, that person is not any different than when you saw them and when you said, I should make time for them. That, that you're helping somebody is equivalent to you loving somebody. That we got to love in our actions as well as our words. In other words, if there's some kind of a need that you see, you're taking action is filling that need. If there's somebody that's hurting, your take action is I'm going to be a healing agent of God to help them in that situation. Matter of fact, I have this saying, you might want to write this down, but find the need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. So here's what you have to understand is that when you see a need or when you see a hurt, that the way you love your neighbor is you Actually do something. Practically speaking. To be able to help them. Now. Tara and I had a delayed. Um, Valentine's dinner last night. Uh, so we went to. Uh, Bucca de Beppo. And uh, we had some Italian food. And they. If you guys have ever eaten there. They give you family portions. Right. So we ordered way too much food. But then. I, I realized that. This wasn't by accident. Like, we're supposed to do something with this food. And so I told Terry, I think we're supposed to go give some food and share our food with some people. And uh, so we just prayed. And immediately I, I remember seeing some, some folks um, that were on our way somewhere, and I, I saw them on the side of the road holding a sign that I'm supposed to go help them. And so I, I bring them food. And I just knew at that moment like God was using that extra food as a conduit of heaven to bless these guys. But I could have just taken the, home, the food home, put it in the refrigerator, and just forgotten about it. And three days later, threw it away. But, but I was like, no, this is an opportunity to take action and love people the way we've been called to love people, to love our neighbor as ourselves. If I was hungry, I'd want somebody to come and feed me some bucay de beppo, right? I, I would I would want something to eat like that. And, and so I don't say that to, you know, pat the pastor on the shoulder. Oh, good job, pastor. No, I'm saying this to just really encourage you guys that if we want to be fully developed in our faith, if we want to grow up and, and move from one glory to the next glory, we have to pay attention to the royal law that says if you love your neighbor as yourself, you fulfilled all of the things that God has ever wanted you to do. You know, as much as I couldn't stand that moment where I thought my daughter bit my other daughter, I was just like, this is ridiculous. Because I don't want to see my kids hurting each other. Think of how God feels about his kids on this planet. And the thing that warms God's heart more than anything else you can do with your life is when you love another human being, God is giving you high fives from heaven and saying people are the most valuable possession of my kingdom. And so when you love them well, I high five you from heaven. So so I just don't know where you're at. I don't know maybe how you're doing in this area of your life. Maybe you've been guilty of poking some hearts or biting some hands. But let this message be an encouragement to you that it's time that we love our neighbor as we do ourselves. Let's pray. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.